The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the monthly Guest Dharma series. Hi, welcome everyone. Tonight we're really happy to welcome um, guest teacher Gregory Kramer, who um, I've actually been looking forward to hearing for five years ever since Mark Dunberg told me about his um, groundbreaking book, Insight Dialogue, um, whom I know many of, many of um, you have also read. Um, Gregory has taught insight meditation for 30 years and has been teaching the practice of insight dialogue, which he developed since 1995. As the founding director of the Meta Foundation, he has pioneered online meditation and contemplation practices. He is on the adjunct faculty of the Berry Center for Buddhist Studies, and he co-developed the Interpersonal Mindfulness Program for John Kabat-Zinn Center for Mindfulness. He travels all over the world to teach, and we're grateful to have him here with us tonight. He's also doing a two-day retreat um, at the Thousand Water Zen Center in St. Paul, and I, I know there's a couple of spaces left um, on that retreat if anyone is interested in signing up, and either maybe he or I can um, give a little bit more details about that retreat at the end of the program. Tonight's talk will explore the four no noble truths where they're closest to home in our lives with other people. This talk will include a brief introduction to the practice of insight dialogue, and there will be um, some talking and then some time for questions. So, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I was walking down one of your boulevards with beautiful homes after coming from the airport. And I stopped to look at a large home, and there was this fragrance in the air. I said, wow, that's wonderful. And, uh, and I looked around and I said, oh, it's lilac. And uh, we have lilacs in the Northwest United States, but it's always raining. <laughs> so you never, ever get to smell them. Not because you're not outside, that's one reason, but even if you are outside, the fragrance is all not there. And uh, so I went over, because I used to live in the Northeast United States, and lilacs are part of my heart, you know. And um, so I went over and smelled the lilacs. And as I put my nose into these flowers, uh, I was transported. And I was had the visuals and the whole bodily sense of being in a home that I had renovated in Garrison, New York, up, uh, about an hour plus north of New York City. And of course, it was roughly this time of year, or maybe a little later. And of course, my face is in the lilac bush. And tears came to my eyes. I um, you know, was picturing my oldest son, who's now 32, was young and naked and running around. And 
it was the poignancy of how fleeting this life is. So it was this preciousness of life that as I sat there and I put my nose back into the lilacs and this sadness or melancholy or something like that was really poignant and I, being a meditator, just sat with it and noticed what was unfolding. And yes, it was the fleetingness of life and but it had within it also we moved to that house just when my daughter died. And our time there, of course, at the beginning was profoundly impacted by that. Even though it was a beautiful, beautiful place, clearly I was carrying even more than I knew at that time this sense of this is how life is, the quality of poignancy, sadness, uh, fleetingness, even though it was incredibly beautiful and I liked it and I felt happy. And then I remembered also a conversation I had with my wife and I don't know exactly what prompted it. Maybe I was working really hard or something and she said, how many more times in your life are you going to smell the lilacs? You know, they bloom once a year for a short period of time and that's it. And here I was not having smelled lilacs for years decade and a half or more, really. I mean, maybe once or twice, but not much. And all of that was in this fragrance and how this fragrance played through the body-mind. I was struck yet again in a, another way, I won't say deeper or anything, by the incredible sensitivity of this organism, this body-mind system in this life. And It's in this world that is tinged with all these things we don't even know it's tinged with. Responsiveness that we don't even understand to the environment in all of its facets. Responsiveness to the things we see, the things we taste. And of course the astonishing responsiveness to each other, to other people in ways that go so far beyond and beneath what we know. And it's in this very sensitivity 
this kind of uh, vibrating tenderness that we go through life encountering everything and trying to make it work somehow, trying to make it work. Of course, you know the story, you know, we look for pleasures, we avoid what's painful, and we try to build a life that somehow works. And the things that we think about, the things that we know that we're encountering, the things that we're perhaps trying to manipulate to get right, it's just a fraction of the story. And we can't manipulate it all. And there's no it that we're manipulating because the it, just like the manipulator, is in constant flux. And so here's this you know, unstable me in this world that's unstable, sensitively moving through this world looking for comfort, looking for happiness, looking for safety. And this is the first noble truth, isn't it? This is the truth of we just can't line it up to get it and keep it right. It's all contingent so-called truth of suffering but somehow that compresses it down to like an idea that's just doesn't capture the sad poetry of this being of this actual life it's into this understanding of how tender we really are. And this understanding of contingency and sometimes obvious pain, sometimes there's, of course, pleasure, wonderful pleasures, but this organism moving through this environment, trying to find some kind of stability and maybe you know maybe a hope for wonderfulness or something no wonder that we would project out to well I'll have heaven later no wonder we would project out to some kind of nibbana or nirvana that if I can attain that then I'll have this forever bliss kind of thing. No wonder. It's into this 
that we bring meditation as a way of saying, what is going on here? What is this experience? That's what meditation is, right? What is this? What is this experience? What's happening? How does this work? This thing that I arrived in without a user's manual, what do I do? And you meditate, and maybe there's some stillness, maybe there's some enough brightness of mind to begin to see some of what moves around in this body-mind, some of how it works. But the more you look, the more mysterious it is. How deep could I go into these lilacs to understand how this thing works, this set of sensations that turns into thoughts and emotions and memories and that in the present moment is constantly moving from and influenced by these memories, by this conditioning, by my genetics by each past moment of contact with the world, this moment is conditioned. How could I possibly, rationally, ever, nail that down, understand it, let alone control it? So meditation invites me into intimacy with the actuality of it. Right? Isn't that what we're talking about when we talk about wisdom? Seeing things as they actually are. Seeing things as they actually are. So we meditate and perhaps we can see things a bit more as they actually are. Not the whole mystery. But a major step forward from just believing the fabrications that come up in reaction, right? Because that's what's happening. This insanely powerful brain is taking all that stuff in, all that, all the sort of the sources of that tenderness are being taken in by this almost ridiculous brain. And patterns are being built We call those patterns memory. We call them personality. Generally speaking, we call them conditioning. We call it knowledge. We call it education. Patterns, neural networks that feed down into the bio network of our cells. And those patterns that get built up with all of these contacts forms a sense of me. Me, my background, my experience. And now in this moment, this me is sensing. But it's sensing completely through and into, if you will, and resonating as this system, this constructed system. that whole pattern of my biology, my physiology, as well as my 
neurology as well as what my psychology moves through this world looking for the pleasures and trying to keep away the pain, trying to survive, trying to feel safe and feel good and feel like a me, a solid self-me that can, you know, cope and have enough control in this. You know, we've already, we already know that this is impossibly complex, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, here I am, now it's okay. You know, and I can clench my fists now and I can feel it, now it's okay. But to do that, of course, I have to filter out so much because I can't live in the contingency. I can't live in the contingency of lilacs. How am I ever going to live in the contingency of you and me? How much more complex are you than a lilac that just gives me the fragrance? You look back at me. You have a thousand years of history, too. And between us, with these two complex organs, these organisms, these two impossibly complex organisms coming together in that vibrating, oh my God, how do I get through this life? What's going on? I'm building a me. Here's a me, but I'm still vibrating. It's just less because I'm filtering out so much of the world. And it's like, there's two of us now. And we're interacting. And this is relationship. This this, this vibrating, powerful, complex mystery. In meditation, if we come to see things as they actually are, those moments of lilacs or those moments of sitting in the cushion and there's some trail of a thought that goes down and is recognized in the body will free me in some way from being a slave to the automatic now this thought, now this emotion, now this thought, now this emotion and so on. But in this complexity of interpersonal contact. If I bring meditation here, here, right here, right, into this, might I see things as they actually are? Might I come closer? Might what could be revealed of the astonishing and particular, particularly powerful sensitivity to other human beings, might something of imprisonment and freedom be revealed? It's not just 
that you are more complex to me than a lilac. It's also that this in this brain, this body, is particularly configured to respond to other humans. My brain actually has circuits configured specifically to be sensitive to other people, to recognize faces, to feel what you feel as you move. I feel your movement. You know, I go like this and you feel something. You know? To hear into my voice and to receive from me and I receive from you this magic that we're engaging in right now of language. This is on top of just by looking at me. It's astonishing. But meditation, seeking, wisely seeking, I might add, simplicity, because it's already complex enough, right? You sit down to meditate, is it simple? No, you're confronted with the whole thing. Well, not the whole thing. Most of the whole thing. Right? And so it's already a lot just to sit there and be with the mind, be with the body. That's wise. But if one can take the very same qualities cultivated in silent intrapersonal meditation practice this, the mindfulness of the remembering of sati remembering awareness remembering this moment of the mindfulness of awareness sati all these words that run in circles the samadhi the tranquility, the calm concentration that lets the mind stay present even as experience unfolds. And the quality of investigation and joy, energy, equanimity. The Buddha called these things enlightenment factors, factors of awakening. But let's just say the meditative qualities of the mind entering this something interesting happens. Not only are we not leaving out perhaps the most challenging aspect of our lives, which is relationships with other people, so wisdom can come into this. We might learn a great deal. We might become uh, freed in many ways. There's something else that happens. All of the ways that you might think meditation is effective, does something, like by clearly seeing or by calming down, or by the mind becoming more supple in the face of experience, and so on and so forth. These qualities can actually 
be amplified in relationship just as they can be upset and interfered with by relationship. Right? So we know that it can, we can easily fall out of remembering, out of mindfulness when we're with other people. Is that right? Just get mindless, right? Just like be that social self, do the things and have the reactions. Might be fun, but very little in the way of presence. We know about that. We know about excitement. We know about agitation with other people. Anger, joy, fear, lust, all the things that stimulate the mind with other people. It's easy to see the absence of samadhi. But have you considered that if we are sitting together in meditation with the shared intention of remembering, that we would be reminding each other that just to sit opposite, to see, to come home, to be here, would actually brighten the mind. Because when I would otherwise slip out and forget in my silent practice, you're, you're right there. If I check out, it's like, where'd Greg go? But here we are, just in this moment. Might we bring each other into some stability, remaining present with experience together through some investigation of the way things are right now? So interestingly enough, what one sees is simply the Dhamma. One sees the Dharma in relationship, just as one sees the Dhamma in one's individual meditation. One sees the suffering, this tenderness, this trying to get it right and not being able to get it rightness. One sees that in in this. One sees the hungers, the tanha, the craving, the craving for pleasure that, of course, happens interpersonally as well. The craving for existence, for being, that the Buddha speaks about. Here I am with you, being. I get to be because you help me feel like I am. So, these basic teachings that we call Dharma or Buddha Dharma, these basic teachings present themselves in this place that has largely not been given the quality of attention that I would suggest it so desperately needs. Meditation has been seen as a solitary kind of affair. And our lives are lived with other people. Think about it. 
Think about how much time you spend, if not with other people, thinking about other people or doing something related to eventually be delivered to or received from other people. At work, for example, work is a social enterprise. Money is a social enterprise. Families, friendships. We're stewing in this relational life. And it can contribute to our imprisonment, our ignorance, our delusion, our being lost in that construction and stress, or it can contribute to our awakening. So perhaps we could explore how the interpersonal uh, path might look. Perhaps we could actually touch that in practice. And that's my invitation to you. Would you Would you like to try a few minutes of practice and see what that's like? Yeah. I think it's a lot better than the abstract. I could talk about it, but you'd get antsy, you'd get bored, I'd keep talking, and we'd leave here feeling half empty. I think it would be much better if we touch something immediate. You up for that? Since I didn't say anything strange or complex, as far as I know, we don't need any Q&A now, do we? I mean, everything I said was just normal human stuff, wasn't it? Good. It's my, it's my intention, anyway. No hocus-pocus. Okay. So, let me uh, share with you uh, how this could go. Uh, It's a room with a lot of people in it. And so we're just going to have to work with that. Uh, I had a room that was last night even more packed, actually. So... My experience is that it sounds noisy, but actually people were pretty concentrated. So just gonna, I'm warning you, because uh, you'll all be close together and when we meditate. So what I'm gonna do is um, offer a few orienting comments so that you feel like this is not. Um, it might still be unusual for you, but at least it doesn't feel um, affrontive. And then we'll be sitting opposite 
I'm going to ask you to stand up and mill about a bit and then find someone you don't know to practice with. Because that's easier to do. Because someone you don't know means what? That you don't have all those constructs about them. They don't have those constructs about you. And maybe you can find the moment without all the the weight to carry. You know what I mean? So we'll sit opposite each other and we'll, I'll ask you to decide who's going to listen first and speak first because when we start out, it's useful to take turns just to kind of check it out, you know. And then we'll do uh, a little bit of centering in silence just to remember what meditation is in the sense and maybe we can feel that come into our inside dialogue practice together. I'll offer some instruction. Okay? So let me first say, if anybody does not want to find a meditation partner, does not want to practice interpersonal meditation, but wants to stay and see what it's like or, you know, hear the Q&A later, this kind of thing, that's okay. No coercion, no social obligation. When we get up and mill about, maybe just um, uh, go over to one, like this corner over here, let's say, and just sort of stand there and don't mill about, so you won't be chosen. That way it's not weird for someone to choose you and you say no. And then when we're in in interpersonal meditation, you could just sit, hear the instructions that are being offered, come home to the body and be present. And you're helping hold the space of the moment with us, so it's okay. Um, And a a couple of other things. Uh, One thing that you should know in advance is in this practice, even if you do a retreat with me that lasts a week or more. You're never asked to say anything you don't want to say. This is not a practice about spilling your emotional guts. As a matter of fact, if you do, it's probably pretty weak practice because you're just totally in identification with your story. And this is about meditation. It's not about the story. It's about it's about cultivating the qualities of mind that allow us to see things as they actually are and the seeing things as they actually are. If you're lost in your story, you're just seeing your story. So you won't be asked to say anything you don't want to say. Okay, so you can feel safe in that. At the same time, let me also say that each dialogue pair is a confidential unit. Nothing is to be shared outside of that relationship. Okay? Um, Actually, I think that's really enough for just such a short bit of practice. Uh, Okay. So, um, if, if we could... Uh, what I'd like to do is uh, 
to get this thing. I'd like to um, invite you to stand up and then mill the back of the room a little bit. And as much as possible, what would be really great is before the practice, like right now, and then after the practice, when we come back together to sort of explore what is, uh, you know, what's unfolded. Let's hold our own version of noble silence. So there's a sense of, you know, coming home to mindfulness, a sense of uh, um, just respecting the moment, respecting your own mind, your own heart. So go ahead and wander about and just walk around. No, uh, you know, feel free to step on cushions. It's not a problem. And um, you might notice how it feels to be walking. It's kind of strange to walk on cushions. But it gets you out of your seat and lets your body be comfortable. And in, in a little bit, I'll uh, ring a bell, and when I do ring the bell, I'll invite you to find a meditation partner. And, uh, and then you'll negotiate with them whether it's chairs or cushions. And then you'll uh, sit down facing them with relative silence. You know, you'll, you can say hello. And just look around and find someone to practice with. Does anybody need a partner who doesn't have one? Anyone else need a partner? There you go. Okay, that's fine. I think I just got this guy. Anyone else need a partner? Meditation partner? Okay. So, do you have a partner? Okay, you two guys. Yeah, that's good. That's great. And anybody else need a meditation partner? So if while you're sitting now, if you could uh, just decide who's going to speak first, that would be very helpful. Did you need a partner? Oh, right here. You can just sit there. Okay, so decide who's going to speak first. 
and then just come back to silence. Do you need a partner? Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's just touch again what it's like to remember the moment. For example, do you feel the body sick? That's one thing about the body. It always reveals where this moment is. No need to look at me. I won't be doing anything fancy. So the body is sitting. What's, what's the posture of the body right now? No need to force it in any special posture, but just noticing the shape of the body, the form. Where's the head? What's the angle of the neck? position of the arms, the shape of the arms. I feel the torso, the upright torso. See if there's any curve in the back. Which is okay, just whatever it is. It's the body, just as a body. No force. Position of the legs. Is it hard to notice these things? You have to work. So it's just a matter of remembering. There's nothing new being made here. There's just noticing, ah, here's the awareness right here. Notice you're aware. What's it like to know you're aware? What's the texture of this moment? What's it feel like? Quality of the mind. The sense of this moment. Knowing you're aware. You might be just resting at home in the body, or if thoughts even come into the mind and move through the mind, you just know you're thinking, no problem. Because there's remembering, remembering the awareness.
What's it like? Letting the body mind settle. So this is where we start our practice with interpersonal meditation as well. But because when we open our eyes and see another person, when we speak and listen together, because we're so sensitive to other people, our meditation, our remembering, is challenged. So we have a meditation instruction to support us, that's all. Instruction that just points to this remembering, to this coming home. So recognizing that. How natural, how simple, how intimate with experience, even know your own hands. In your hands. Where and you know. What's that like? So natural, just to remember. To pause in the reactions of life. To pause from the fog of stress fog of war of this life. Come home to this moment. Pause. Pause. This is our first meditation instruction for inside that. Pause it. Coming home. It's like this right now. Just like this. It's just an invitation into actuality. You're not trying to create a trance. You're actually trying to see how are things right now. Stepping out of the obsession of the mind pushing forward, coming home. Pause. So when you speak, you might pause before you start speaking. Remember. Remember the awareness. Come home to mindfulness. While you're speaking, any time in the middle of a sentence, between two words, pause it coming home. Where is this moment? Pause. When you finish speaking, pause right in the mind. While you're listening, the pausing is a leaving, a letting go, letting, leaving aside 
the wandering of the mind or the judging of the mind, the grasping of the mind as you listen and coming home fresh to this moment, what's true now? Listening is clarified a breath in the pause. You might, as you're listening to me right now, notice. Notice that you can be aware of this body sitting. Aware of the fact of hearing. The fact of taking in meanings. Just, it's an unleashing of this natural capacity of the mind and the heart to be intimate with life. Pause. Coming home. So this is an instruction that you can offer yourself mentally, internally, as you practice speaking and listening with your partner. While you're listening, you might forget, you might remember to come home. Coming home over and over, the body-mind learns this, learns to come home, learns to remember, to be awake, to be mindful. This is our practice right now, to see things as they actually are. So the first speaker is invited to begin with very, very simple contemplation of just noticing the sensitivity of this body Noticing the sensitivity of the eyes to light, of the ears to sound, and of the body to the touching of the chair and so on, but also all of those internal movements of the body that come with thoughts and feelings, with contact. So no need to speak about these things like in any abstract way. No past, no future, no conceptualization, just I'm seeing this, I'm hearing this, I'm feeling this right now. And let the pause support you. Starting very, very simple. We'll extend it later. Give yourself the gift of simplicity and brightness. And as you listen, pause. Coming home with mindfulness. Present awareness. If you ever lose your bearings in speaking or listening, you can always check out the body, come home to the body, because it will always show you where the moment is. It's always right here. Just the sensitivity of the eyes, ears, and body. Pause. First speaker only speaks.
noticing how this moment is right now. Simply what's known by mindfulness, that's all. Noticing the capacity to know. Capacity. Notice this awareness right now. This is still the pause. It's just the same moment. There's no speaking or listening. But there's the same basic question if you will. What is this? Now shifting to the new speaker, new listener, noticing how it feels to know that that shift is being made. It's all known by mindfulness. And again, the contemplation is simple. What is seen, what is heard, what is felt in the body. Meditation instruction offered as, as often as you need it to come home, to brighten the mind. Pause. This moment of contact with the world, with another person, with light and sound. We're so sensitive, so sensitive, this body mind. Pause. arises out of right effort, 
clear intention. Understanding of purpose. We're just looking for a good conversation. It's a different thing. So, our next moment of dialogue, we're going to remove the form of taking turns. So whoever speaks, whoever listens, moment by moment, the pause is now extra critical. Because you could rev each other up into the normal, into the habit mode. We know how to do this. One of the reasons we're keeping the contemplation so simple is to help us find the moment. What is seen, what is heard, what is felt in the body right now. But if you just retreat into silent practice, because that's what's most comfortable, then the possibility of discovering being awake while engaged discovering what wisdom might be unfolded isn't available. So you might consider also if you're retreating inward, getting out of the world rather than being fluid with the world. Let the pause support you. What is seen what is heard, what is felt in the body. Giving priority to the actual meditation practice. Coming home to mindfulness. Remembering this awareness. Take your time, there is It's just this moment. this last few minutes of dialogue that we're about to enter. Let's take some advice 
just the sheer Noticing how this experience is right now. How's the mindfulness? Just letting the body mind relax. It's just like this right now. And I'd like to invite you to offer your gratitude to your meditation partner, and we'll join together in the circle. Thank you very much. So if you'd like to sit down and um, we'll have our last few minutes together, have a seat if you want. It won't be long. I just wanted to... uh, First, see if you've noticed anything about your practice, and then to close with a short loving-kindness meditation. That's all. We won't be long. So, just to open it up, did you notice how was the pause? What did you find? Just the disclosure of the moment-to-moment, simple 
facts of existence in the body. Yeah. Wow. Did anybody else experience that? Yeah. Thank you very much. That's really a helpful observation. Yeah. So much is shared in just being a sensitive organism. And also, it seems to me, so much gets out of the way so that there's this proximity that happens because we're not in all of the other stuff. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I was just going to say, for the first time in a very long time, I felt like I was anchored in my body, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I was, I was actually anchored in it and coming from a place of just being. Yeah. Um, because I think that we're oftentimes taught not to be in our bodies. Very much so. Often, so. And yeah. so it felt good. It felt calming. Yes, yes. Yeah, people are often surprised how a practice like this that is can be so, you know, sensitive and seem highly stimulating or something over time, of course we just had a few minutes, over time can lead to quite an astonishing level of not only tranquility but uh, concentration. It's surprising actually. The dichotomy, for those who can't hear, of being aware of her own breathing, but then this alive body in front of her. So the contrast. The contrast. It was, you know, I felt internally very um, centered and focused, and then, but there was this live energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So were, did, did you find you could remain stable yes. in your awareness? Yes, but it Correct. was effort. Well, yeah, yeah, you get used to it. Actually, you get better at it. You know, that's how you get to Carnegie Hall, right? <laughs> I was constantly thinking about what was a good thing to say. Ah, so you knew the mind, saw yeah. the mind doing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Did you yeah. think of some good things to say? I don't know. <laughs> But I was very much like I was aware of myself filtering the language, like beautiful, you know, going through. Right. And what I there's so many. I felt like I was choosing between brilliant fifty different impressions. Yes. I was like, well, what am I going to share? You know, I don't know. Perfect. Perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Yeah. And that too, you. So you're mindful of that. Yeah, and I was also then, and I was, even then, I was thinking about that. It's like, well, was that too abstract of a thing to share? Okay. Given that I was already aware of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so so, um, that kind of recursive, you know, thing that can just sort of lead into bozo land. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, but it's just, you know, it's just the mind. Do you remember the first time you sat down to meditate? or third or fifth time or tenth time even I mean the mind says what am I doing here I guess I'm noticing am I noticing now is this what noticing is no I'm talking but I'm noticing I'm talking you know it's the same thing yeah right yeah so you get your bearings and that's one can begin to recognize 
the knowing is moving with experience. Like right now as I'm talking to you, there's just this awareness of talking. And if you want to get hyper-focused, you can. And more pauses will be essential. If you widen the awareness and have this uh, not only broad, spacious mind, but also very flexible mind, then you can be aware of all these changes internally, externally, in the relationship, and so on. So just as one develops different qualities of mind uh, in, in intrapersonal meditation, that happens here, too. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, with a couple more, and then, then we'll stop. Well, I just, um, I've never enjoyed meeting a stranger more. Yeah. Well, that's a nice way to put it, yeah. I, I kind of wish, it just felt like I had permission to just kind of give. Oh. And usually in conversations, there's maybe a part of me that chooses and excuses. Yeah. You know how much, and I was like, well, this is the instructions, so. Yeah. <laughs> Underneath manness and womanness is humanness. Yeah. Okay, last one. So you knew when you were falling in. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, it's like in meditation. You know when you go into wandering mind. When you come back, say, "Oh, where was I?" But that's the moment of awakening, right there. But you keep waking up. You keep waking up, and eventually the mind says, "Okay, I'll wake up." Yeah, it's like like you're saying. You told me to. I had to wake up. <laughs> yeah. So. Sure. Um, well, you'd have a chance to meet lots of strangers and just a <laughs> um, So for tomorrow all day, but not tomorrow night. Is that right? Does anybody know? No. Just daytime? Nine to four. Nine to four. Okay. So nine to four on 
Friday and Saturday. Same schedule Saturday? Okay. Um, we'll be introducing and dropping into the practice of insight dialogue. And um, something that is, uh, I don't know if you are tasting yet, because with so many people in a room, so short time, it's, it, it might feel, um, you might not be feeling the uh, kind of dropping that can happen. I don't know. I'm not going to judge your experience for you to say. But I can say that if we meditate and we have more time for the body-mind to settle and to learn the practice and like these kinds of loops and all this kind of stuff or the just the weirdness of it begins to actually turn into um, a meditation that can be uh, quite settled and even quite luminous. And again, one comes to see and know things as they actually are present. So uh, that's the invitation. And they should see you. Is that what you said? I have more information. You have more information. So that's what we'll be doing. And then I guess I'm giving a talk on Sunday as well. Uh, at uh, I'm, I'm giving a dar- no a Dharma talk at Clouds and Water. Is that right? Someone from that sangha here? So I'm giving a talk Sunday morning. Dharma this, talk. This Sunday? This Sunday. Yes. Friday and Saturday is a little retreat, non-residential retreat. Sunday's a Dharma talk at the Zen Center in the morning. Two different uh, things. Okay. Is it possible for someone to go just Saturday and not Friday? Uh, no. Thank you for thank you for asking that because it's progressive. We'll be dropping into practice and learning the other meditation instructions. So if you only came Saturday and not Friday, it would be t- you'd be too far out of the loop. Thank you, Barry. That was really helpful. Yeah, that's, I just want to have the last minute be loving kindness practice. That's all. Just to regather. Um, so don't feel like you need to enter a trance of any kind, but just to notice how it is being here now. Perhaps a sense of gratitude for finding teachings that have value in the heart. The, the kindness that you offer yourself in sitting here now. goodness of that. And a sense of sharing the benefits of this practice with all beings, letting the mind expand to touch everyone in this room. May all these beings be happy, free from suffering. Beyond this room, across this city, let the heart be touched by those who are suffering touched by those experiencing also joy, and opening wider in all directions without bounds, letting the mind expand without limit, above, below, to the left.
to the right. Forwards and to the rear. Permeating the entire universe with loving kindness. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be well and happy. May there be peace. May there be peace. May there be peace. Thank you, friends.